We were one of two counties in That's Michigan awesome. that didn't enforce the lockdown stuff Let's just go. because of a resolution that I had introduced and passed two months prior, thinking it was, had to do with 2A. And in the right. providence of God, it helped in the uh, COVID that was coming three months down the road that we didn't know about. And we'll be all right if the Lord be our strength. We'll be all right if the Lord be our strength. Cool. Well, Greg, I appreciate you coming and talking with me today. So you and I met uh, about a year ago at the FLF conference in Tennessee. Wasn't that right? Yeah. 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 And so uh, you were my first, like, exposure to the to the Christian podcast um, vibe whenever. I think you were on Podcast Row over there, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. And so we got to visit for a little bit, have a couple of conversations. And uh, we, after that, you know, just kind of maintained that relationship over time. I started learning more and more about you. So you are, you you do the Dead Man Walking podcast. How long have you been doing that? Uh, started it April 2020. So we just passed three years here a few months ago. That's awesome. How many listeners would you say, like your metrics on average? Uh, it depends on the guest, really, and and uh, kind of how we promote it. But we fluctuate between 80,000 and 100,000 downloads across all social media platforms each month. That's awesome. So like three years in, you've had a great amount of success on it. Now, but you also serve as a, it's a, it's a county council. Am I understanding it correctly? What What is your position with your county? Uh, county commissioner. County commissioner. Is that like a, so down here in Louisiana, we have parishes. <laughs> we don't okay. have counties. So we have like a parish council that people sit on. Is, is a county commissioner, is that similar? It would be very similar to that. So we sit over, it's mostly budgetary. It's technically and constitutionally the legislative branch of the county, but mostly we're overseeing the budget of the county sheriff, the county health department, any county millages, the county road commission. So anything that has county in front of it, uh, we're <laughs> That's overseeing you guys. that budget. Yeah. That's cool, man. Okay, very cool. And then, and you're also a realtor, right? Yeah, yep. Real estate broker. Been doing that for almost 13 years. Never thought I would uh, get into that. Thought I was going to be uh, a corporate manager and had my sights set on a vice presidentship in within AT and T Mobility. And uh, the opportunity knocked, and we prayed about it. And uh, it was a you know going from a very well paying job with full benefits and a two million dollar ad budget paid by corporate to Oh, look at, I've got to create my own business and uh, right. I have to pay for my right. flyers and my radio ads and everything. And it was a, it was a big jump, but um, the Lord has guided us through it, blessed us. And I don't think unless he moves me out of it, I don't know if I'd ever do anything different. I absolutely love what I'm doing. That's awesome. And so you have the, you have the freedom to, to have some flexibility because you work for yourself, right? Are you a part of a, of a real estate group or is it, is it Greg Moore realtor? <laughs> so Co Covenant Real Estate Brokerage is my company. I am the broker and also an agent. And then I have a few agents below me. I, I really haven't, uh, I wish you say below me, that work with me. Uh, but technically in the state of Michigan, the two brokers are the ones that uh, broker the deal. And then agents work on behalf of the brokers. Um, oh, okay. Okay. So, uh, you know, thought about pursuing maybe bringing on more agents, but it's kind of nice to be able to have the flexibility. You know, I'm leaving in two days to go on the West side of the state and spend some time at Lake Michigan. Just got back from Northern Michigan and grayling with a father son camping trip with my church, 140 men worshiping and uh, camping. So a lot of flexibility there when you kind of have a small group and, yeah. you know, uh, small ships, the, the rudder turns the small ships a little faster than the big ones. <laughs> yeah, heck yeah, it does. We have a so our marketing agency when it was uh, the 
when it was just me and then it was just two people and then it was just three people, we could move a lot faster. Now we're a team of like 15 or 16 people. And so I spend the bulk of my day creating systems so that we can still move as fast as a two to three person team. And it's a lot of work. You know, oh, man. it's a lot yeah, to I manage mean, that. Yeah. 15, 16 employees. That's, that's crazy. Uh, it, that's, that's it, a lot. That's a lot of work. You're right. It's, it gets intense after a little while, but the, the Lord's good. You know, he's bringing us through it and teaching us new things all the time. So I want to talk about this a little bit. You, you have a lot of irons in the fire, right? Like you've got your business, you've got your podcast business, you've got your, your, uh, I mean, civil service that you're, you're doing yep. there. How, how do you as a Christian, and you've got, you know, kids, you got family stuff, and I'm, I'm sure you've got other projects kind of that you're thinking about in the back of your brain, because sure. you seem like an entrepreneurial kind of guy. How do you manage your time effectively? Like, how do you, what do you do? Yeah. What systems or, or concepts or just principles guide the way that you do what you do? Oh, that that's a great question. Yeah, I, ha- I also have a small but growing uh, government bid uh service as well too where we flip things uh you know government uh cars and trucks and asphalt and fire trucks and things like that so with my father but uh yeah but um well first of all it's it's tough because i don't know maybe you might have a little bit of this but i find that entrepreneurs are have a little touch of add anyway they get really (laughs) excited about things uh yes and, and you're very, always starting something. <laughs> you're always starting something. Uh, yes, and, yes. and the Lord actually really guided me in that early on in my career and said, look, it's great to be excited about things. It's great to start things, but it's also do everything with excellence and follow through on what you're going to do. And just because you're not excited with it anymore and that mm. that uh, phase of newness is over, mm. um, you know, don't start something just for that emotional feeling. Uh, when you start something, you should see it through to whatever finish that it is and you should do it with excellence. But to get back to your question too, you know, it is so hard uh, for me to be organized, uh, but that is the number one thing that I have to be. Um, really mm. setting mm. schedules and making sure you prioritize. And when I say prioritize, I mean, we also homeschool our three children uh, by the grace of God. Oh, not yeah. one of them will ever step foot in a government school. So, Amen. you know, there's things like um, that, you, you, you know, in real estate, you're really on call. You might have someone say, hey, 730 in the morning, I want to go look at this house or you got a listing appointment at, you know, nine o'clock. Or, so mm-hmm. I really have to schedule around making sure that um, we're, we're having devotional and Bible study in the morning with the kids. Um, if I can't do the schoolwork alongside of my wife, we'll maybe shift that to the afternoon. But there has to be priorities set for when I have to spend time with my wife and my family and for school, mm. because that's the most important thing. Mm. Um, I would rather have not a nice house, not a nice car, not, you know, not the material toys, but, but be, you know, raising up uh, the next generation for Christ. And then also washing my wife in the word as the leader in my home. So amen. Th- those are the priorities that, that I, you know, that you have to have. And I think that are biblical as well too. Because the Lord, He takes care of the sparrows. He's going to take care of me. And Amen. you know, it, Amen. And uh, comparison is is the thief of joy, right? Um, in mm. my early thirties, I had a real big thing with looking to the left and right and saying, "What do these guys have?" And man, I would really like to have that. Mm. And I prayed, mm-hmm. and I and I truly believe this. If you have an earnest desire in your heart that's the will of God, and you pray it and say, "Lord, take that from me," take covetousness and jealousy and envy and running the rat race and keeping up with the Joneses take away. And he just removed it right from my heart. And he said uh, that 
everything that you have, I, you know, I provide for you. Um, and it's been an, you know, especially over the last 10 or 12 years, about the time I got into real estate, yes, there's been ups and downs, but, um, the Lord has always provided and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing when you rely on the Lord, mm -hmm. even in business. Now, don't get me wrong. He calls us to work and work hard. Uh, right. you don't work, you don't eat his word. Right. Says, right. right. Uh, we can go to Proverbs and see many Proverbs that talk about the sluggard. And, you know, mm. I just did a podcast episode on, um, oh geez, I think it was Proverbs 20. You know, the, the sluggard says, oh, there's a line in the street. I can't go out and work today. And that's what mm. we're seeing in victim culture. You know, I can't go out there. It's racist. It's bigoted. It's sexist. Mm. I can't, oh, you know, I, I can't work. I can't own a business. I can't do these things. And it says the fool makes those kind of proclamations and makes an excuse and says, I can't go do those things today. And I, I look at that and go, I don't ever want to be that fool because let's right. remember when Proverbs is talking about the fool, it's not some ominous figure. It's us. We mm. are the fool in Proverbs. Mm. Uh, and it's very good to introvert that and read Proverbs that way. And, you know, many times when I see the word fool, I put in the word Greg, <laughs> my name, so I can personalize it and go, yeah, Greg, Greg does do that. I do do that. And let's not yeah. do that. What's the prescription for it? So I would say organization, priority, and, and, then, and then really uh, biblically making sure you're understanding why you do what it is you do. And this is where mm. you and I, Stuart, mm. I think have a lot in common. And we've talked about this, um, you know, first Corinthians, is it first Corinthians 10 31, do all things, whether you eat or drink all things on to the glory of God. And that has really been what I live by both in my personal life and business. And I think any Christian should live by in all aspects of their life. It's like, you know, it, whether I'm, whether I'm smoking a cigar unto the glory of God, or I'm helping someone sell their commercial property, it's all unto the glory of God. And mm -hmm. if I do it with that mindset, um, I, I know that whatever the transaction is, whatever the action is, um, it, it's going to be a good one. Amen. Amen. Look, let's get super practical then when, when we're talking about time management and how you do what you do. Uh, do you, do you have like calendars that you keep? What's your, what's your, primary go-to mechanism for time management just in a in a in a maybe an app sense or maybe you got a notebook or something like that how do you structure out your days you know uh iphone got me early man i was at <laughs> i was at at&t so they gave us all brand new iphones so i had one on launch day when whatever that was was that 2006 or eight or oh nine? yeah I that's right yeah, yeah that sounds right so so they sucked me in and I can't get away from it. So honestly, uh, a lot of iPhone apps, uh, especially just the the calendar that's built into it. My wife, we know we're connected. She has it. I have it. Everything goes in the calendar. I don't know if that's actually made it worse sometimes because I tell people if it's not in my calendar and it's not reminding me, it doesn't happen. I don't, I don't even know if it exists in reality. <laughs> I know that sounds horrible. Yeah. No, I get it. But I've also noticed, especially the older I get to, it's like, do it right then, don't procrastinate. It is, if someone mm. says we have a meeting or I have to go somewhere, it's going in right then. It's not one of those things where I write it down or set it off to the side and I'll get back to it tonight. Just do it then, it's very quick. You know, mm. obviously Siri and voice commands is very convenient, but get it put down and then that allows me to organize and I'll color code and block off times. And uh, I do like to see it in color code because then uh, you yeah. can see how yeah. much time am I actually spending on, right. on these things. I really mm -hmm. like to know, I look at and say how many hours, you know, when you work for yourself, I don't know if uh, a lot of people track hours, but I like to track how many hours did I 
work on real estate? How many hours did I work in the county commissioner position? How mm. many hours did I spend with my family and in the word? Mm. And I'm a big charts and percentage guys. And sometimes quarterly, I'll, I'll chart that out and look at that. Now that might sound like I'm nerding out, but at the same time, it helps me reflect back and go, Oh, I spent a little too much time or not enough time in these areas. And we need to adjust mm. that for the next quarter. That right. just helps me because if not, it's just kind of all up there. You just get busy. You're doing stuff. You know, you're a right. business owner. You'll spend, right. you know, four, five, six hours on something that you thought was going to take you an hour. And now you go, okay, well, that's five hours. I didn't have somewhere else that I was spending time. Right. Like you said you, you have 15, 16 employees. I'm sure that gets very time consuming. And then that readjusts for your time management. Right. It's, it's a, it's a wild thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, I've, I've created what I call buckets in our calendar system, which is I, I slot in certain times of the day for certain activities. And so like if I'm doing meetings, I do them in, you know, in the afternoons, if I'm doing study, I'm doing it first thing in the morning. If I'm doing, um, like proposal writing or working on the business, I'm doing that around 10 o'clock in the morning. I try to structure my days out that way and it makes it easier for me to just plug and play. Do you know what I'm saying? Like if yep. I've got meetings up, oh, sorry, my meetings are full for today, but I can get you in on Thursday or I can get you in on Wednesday of this week, or we can figure out some other time. Now, obviously there's emergencies and things like that that happen too. But I find that if I, I don't have it in the calendar, you're right. It doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be a thing. So whenever you started um, your podcast, were you already working in real estate? Yeah. So I, I started in real estate in February of 2010, I believe. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we're coming up on 13 years. Um, and so yeah, doing real estate for a while. And what started the podcast was in Michigan during COVID, um, our governor, uh, the big wretch, as we call her governor Whitmer, she was, um, you know, she, she was kind of aiming for a VP nomination with Biden. Um, she took mm. the very, very, uh, harsh lockdown. I mean, you couldn't leave your house for a week. You couldn't put your boat in the water. You couldn't buy certain tools and, and sunflower seeds from Home Depot. I mean, it was pretty crazy. It made national news. So she said all title companies are essential, but realtors are non-essential. So living in a house was deemed non-essential, which we thought that was pretty funny within the National Association of Realtors. So <laughs> she said, hey, you guys got nine weeks off. I just closed two big, really commercial deals. And then I had two lined up for about a week after that nine-week period. And for any of those listening, when you're in real estate, you're not taking home a weekly check or bi-weekly check. Sometimes in commercial real estate, I can go six months without seeing a check. It's usually right. a pretty large one, but right. you know, months at a time. So you get really good at uh, monthly and quarterly uh, budgeting as well, which really stretched me uh, in my career. <laughs> so they gave me nine weeks off and my wife goes, hey, now's a good, you've been talking about it. Now's a good time to start a uh, podcast. So I uh, bought some gear and sat down with uh, my buddy Jason, who at the time lived five houses down from me. I since sold his house and he moved away and I kind of moved out my uh, co-host on accident <laughs> by, <laughs> by being a realtor. Uh, but, uh, and, and we just, and we just started and then, uh, cross politic actually from, uh, fight left feast, like where we met was very helpful. And, th and they had us on the show and they, and we went down to the very first fight left feast in Franklin. And we asked them if we could bring the, you were on the soccer together. fields. Oh yeah. We were on the soccer field. Dude, we were, we yep, were there too. And that was years ago. How did we not run into each other? <laughs> I don't know, but we were the little podcast right at the end and everyone thought it was our event. And we kept going, no, 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 no. <laughs> yes. we're, we're just with like Dave and DJ and, and chocolate Knox and stuff. We we're just happened to be the only podcast here. Well, next year they had podcast row. And I said, Gabe, do I get residuals on my idea to have uh 
podcasts at your event, you know, just joking with them. But so it it really took off from there because we got a lot of exposure from that one conference and it was lockdown, man. Everyone was ticked off. We weren't able to go anywhere. We had that, the suppression of science and the the mask mandating and, and they went, Oh, okay, here's a podcast down here. That's kind of doing what cross politic is doing and really helped us. So I give a lot of credit to cross politic being very gracious uh, with us very early in the podcast and that helped too. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what made you say, all right, I've got my, I've got my business going. I've got my podcast business going over here. What made you also say, you know what? County commissioner, let's pull the trigger. Well, I'd always been interested in, uh, politics and in, uh, the last two years, uh, of my high school career, I went to public school and my senior thesis was on the buying of Congress. Uh, you know, everyone else was doing Led Zeppelin and, uh, you know, uh, my summer road trip. And I was like, I wanted to <laughs> the buying of Congress and how everyone's a crook, you know, real, real nerd in high school. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it always interests me, the hypocrisy of politics and the bureaucracy and, and how mm. um, we are not adhering to the Constitution, how the federal government has gotten so large. It's, it's just not even recognizable to what the founding fathers even envisioned. And so I helped on some national campaigns. I was the campaign manager for some senators and and for some state reps and things like that and was successful at those. I was a legislative liaison in Lansing, Michigan, which is our capital here. And then also just what they call a kitchen cabinet. So some uh, congressmen and senators would send me bills and say, hey, read it, read it over, see what you think. You know, what do you think the reaction will be? Mm -hmm. Um, So. Uh, in 2016, I moved down to where I live now and I went to my County commissioner and had some questions about some zoning and some other things. And he went, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm just a County commissioner. That's nothing I can help you with. And it was under his purview and he was a Democrat. And that kind of irked me anyway, because it was pretty, it was a 52% Democrat, 48% Republican district. And Mm. I went, we can do better than that. And I just thought to myself, well, I'll just run and replace it. Cause if you're not going to do the job and be the public servant that you're commanded to be, mm. then I'll do it. Um, mm. and, uh, everyone said, you'll never win. He's been here for 30 years. His wife's the superintendent of the, you know, they're on the school board, the whole thing. You just moved down here six months ago, but I did it all into the glory of God. And I did it with excellence. I knocked on 6,000 doors. I introduced myself. Um, and I won by 30 votes, which I, which yes. I, I which was also the largest margin in that district in 10 years, 30 votes. That's how close it was. And every two years I've ran since then in 18, 20, uh, 22, and I'll be running again next year. Um, But next year it changes to a four-year term. So I'm sure there'll be some people coming out of the woodwork uh, Mm. that'll want to challenge me because people, you know, people who uh, love like the status, but not the work would rather only run once every four years than once every other year. But I just saw it as public service. I really yeah. did. Uh, Romans yeah. 13 obviously speaks to me. Um, you know, the civil government is under the sphere of Christ who's ruling and reigning right now. And we are public servants and we are to uh, bring justice to evildoers and protect the righteous. And Amen. And I've been able to affect some change at the county level, I'm happy to say, and all glory to God, uh, that maybe, you know, had I not been there or someone with, uh, let me, how should I say it with my vigor and my uh, <laughs> excitement for an issue? I can be very persuasive when I get excited about something and think it should, yeah. it's the right thing to do. Um, we've been able to do some things over the last six years that I've been there and, and I'm proud of that. And like I say, I'm not a politician. I'm not an elected official. I'm a public servant. I serve at the mm. pleasure of my constituents. And I really try to keep that in the forefront uh, when I get calls and, and have to go do those things. 
Amen. How do you, um, in what ways does being a Christian influence the way that you operate in office? Oh, what a great question. Um, I mean, first of all, principle-driven, right? Mm -hmm. I refer back to Proverbs, but it's one of my favorite books of the Bible, probably my favorite, the one I go to the most. My father, when I was young, taught us to read one proverb a day throughout the month, um, and and uh, I think that was one of the most beneficial things he ever taught me. Um, but but principle-driven, and look at every politician is going to say, oh, honesty and integrity and, and all these things. But when you have a worldview that Christ is king and everything comes under his authority, right? well, then right. you really start thinking about, well, is this thing that I want to introduce or I want to do line up with the will of God? And is it biblical? Is it moral? Um, and does it break any of his precepts or laws? Because there's a lot of good things that aren't godly. Uh, right. There's a lot of good things that aren't biblical. And in mm. politics is the realm, right? Um Oh, who was it? Who's the uh, Penn Gillette, who's a libertarian and an atheist? Uh, I'm going to quote him right now. Uh, and you're, and you're going to go, <laughs> what the heck? Why are you quoting an atheist and, you know, a magician? But uh, he's libertarian and he, and he says to the liberals, what good things should the government not do? Meaning once you say we should provide health care and we should provide medical services and we should provide food and housing, where does that list end? What good things should the government not do? So mm. there's also a balance mm. there, even though, um, you know, I'm conservative in my politics, there's also, well, what good things should we not fund? I mean, I, I could from a, you know, I know many Christians that could make an argument and we see this in the woke gospel and the social justice movement of, well, it's Christian to love your neighbor. We need to provide them with, mm. with food and clothing mm -hmm. and housing and vouchers and things and like that. And then how deep does the hole go? Yeah. How deep, how deep does the hole go? And, and I would take them to many proverbs that say, um, you know, self-responsibility is probably uh, more biblical than, than uh, giving things to people unearned. Uh, because the Bible says a lot of things about unearned gain as well, too. Mm -hmm. So so really, it's it's not necessarily, oh, just do the biblical thing, but it's really having the discernment, which I pray for daily. Uh, knowledge is a good thing, but dis and wisdom is a good thing, but discernment is in that 1% sphere. And I think Spurgeon said discernment is not knowing right from wrong, but knowing right from almost right. And that's mm. where I have to prey on those um, decisions when, when we're making legislative decisions and things and going, okay, this seems right in my own eyes, but mm. is it is it biblical? Is it godly? Is it what he calls the civil sphere to do? And sometimes, you know, what I've wanted to do isn't after praying about it and reading the word and, and using the word of God as the dividing line isn't the right thing. It's more of mm. a, an emotional thing. I like that group of people. I want to help them. I Right. Right. But it might not be the godly thing to do. So uh, do you often find yourself being like on the outside or being on the unpopular side of votes? Or do you often find yourself being kind of the outsider in the, in the council that you operate with? Or how does that, how does that help? Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. For the most part. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have, I have one other commissioner, uh, Dawn Asper. She, she's awesome. She's a believer. Um, now if you pulled, now we have an all Republican, uh, nine, uh, nine commissioners on the, on the, uh, on the board all Republican, all would say they're conservative, all would say mm. they're Christian. But as you know, Stuart, those words right. have been just like evangelical or Christian in and of itself right. it has been diluted so much that, mm -hmm. okay, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean anything. I would say um, I have one other that probably lines up 90% with me. The rest are probably conservative on some issues, but mostly moderate. You know, when I introduced a um, amendment to our 
um, I'm sorry, a resolution in our county a few years ago. I think it was January of 2020. I made our county a sanctuary city for Second Amendment, meaning our sheriff could not um, deem any unconstitutional act that he deemed towards the right to carry and own a firearm. We would not fund him. And it was a I mean, just that statement alone, it was a huge deal. I mean, the, the Facebook post, when I posted it, went to, you know, 5 million views. Fox called me and interviewed me. It was like, really, you guys, this is news that I just want to say that we have a right to own a gun and carry a gun here in this, right. In, in the County Monroe. Mm, mm. Well, it was a lot of, it was a lot of uh, shouting. And at that time we had two Democrats on our board and we had the local news down there. But what came of that is I had two to 300 people showing up every single meeting that were supportive of the second amendment. And mm. I'll tell you one thing politicians don't like, they don't like when a spotlight is shown on them and they have to stand up and they have to take a vote. They, mm. they love when people are apathetic about mm. local government because then mm -hmm. they can just kind of do what they need to do. No one pays attention, doesn't get any news and they could pass things and ever, and everyone's happy, so to speak. Well, after right. four, four meetings of them, you know, getting pressure from hundreds of people, it did pass. And funnily enough, uh, is funnily a word? I think it is. Funnily enough. Why not? <laughs> what's that? I said, why not? Uh, oh, we'll why take not? it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I'll wrap this story up here, but it's just the providence of God. Funnily enough, uh, we passed that. And then two months later, we had lockdowns and we had fines and fees. And if you went outside, you could be fined $1,000. Well, our sheriff's. Uh, sheriff's, uh, uh, our sheriff of the county called us and said, Hey guys, uh, we just signed a resolution that says if we do anything unconstitutional, uh, you guys won't fund us. And these, these lockdowns are being challenged in court. So we're not going to enforce what the governor said. So we were one of two counties in That's Michigan awesome. that didn't enforce the lockdown stuff Let's just go. because of a resolution that I had introduced and passed two months prior thinking it was, had to do with 2A, and in the right. providence of God, it helped in the uh, COVID that was coming three months down the road that we didn't know about. So things like that you see, and you go, okay, stand on principle, stand on the Word of God, Amen. and work everything out. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Man, what a great story. What a great story.